Well, I might be in a little bit of trouble, Mom. The last time you said that, it cost me my job. Eddie said he needs me writing dispatch for a few hours. I figured you guys had some kind of emergency. More like a robbery. It's nothing. We gotta get the guns back. There's no way I'm winning an election if I can't get my own house in order. This is W. Temple Sheriff's Office, Jericho Rich. I got active shooters on the scene. Today on Moving Radio is one of the filmmakers that will have their feature film debut as a director featured as part of Northwest Fear Fest. We're talking today via Zoom with Will Gilby, the writer-director of Jericho Ridge. You can catch it as part of Northwest Fear Fest on Wednesday, October 18th at 9.15 p.m. And that's at the Metro Cinema, as all screenings are for Northwest Fear Fest. If you want to get your tickets, go to metrocinema.org or northwestfest.ca. Will, welcome to the program. Christian, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, genuinely, yeah, it's very exciting to be here. I just, you yeah. know, I love chatting about this film. Um, I love chatting about film festivals and about genre. So I'm here, I'm yours. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the first person to tell me in the interview that uh, you're mine, uh, yeah. but I'm going to give you, you, you know, your own independence as well, Will. Okay, I appreciate that. You know, it's cool. We were just talking before we started recording here kind of thing, and we were discussing the fact that you had already been in Calgary with this film, which is great that it was at SIF, and I love that now we're finally getting a chance here to see it uh, in Alberta as well, in Edmonton. But before we kind of get into that, Jericho Ridge, in your own words, and one of the things that I was watching on YouTube, is an edge-of-your-seat survival thriller. Uh, That's a great description of it. And then you got into even more intense description of it, uh, which I also feel is apt. Let's give the uninitiated audience out there that doesn't know anything about Jericho Ridge uh, a little bit more information about what they can expect to see on October 18th. It's a sort of contained action thriller. It's a police survival thriller, I guess. It's about a a sheriff's deputy who is coming in to man the dispatch radio. She's injured. She's got a broken ankle. So she's drafted in because there's a sort of massive crisis at the sheriff's office. And as she goes there, everyone else goes out to solve this crisis. And she's sort of left on her own and with her 16-year-old son, who she has a pretty terrible relationship with. It's a sort of... And then things you know, start to go bump in the night, things start to go wrong and pressures start to amp up. It turns into a siege thriller and she's trapped in there. And most of the time she's trapped in there with her son and these two people who don't get on, who don't see eye to eye. You know, how are they going to cope with this incredibly visceral, violent, action-packed attack on their personal safety? The idea is, you know, I guess when you're shooting low-budget films, obviously containment is super helpful, but then you don't want it to become something that holds the film up or pins it down or makes it look cheap or boring. So you try and use that one location as much as possible. You try and set up your geography and you try and use that as a pressure cooker, really, to keep the audience uh, tense on the edge of their seats and hopefully uh, pretty bugged out. Your main character that you've uh, created here is Tabby Temple, and that's played by Nikki Mooka Bird. She's the driving force behind Jericho Ridge, essentially, at this point. Can you tell us a little bit about your own conceiving of that character as a writer, but also, you know, how maybe even that evolved once you uh, start working with Nikki and you start filming on set? 
Well, I think when you work with someone of Nikki's caliber, everything evolves and everything takes a step up because she's incredibly thoughtful. She's incredibly conscientious and she's an insanely talented actor. I guess the character, I, I sort of, I wanted to put someone in there who was very tough, very no nonsense, but was on the back foot. You know, she's she's injured in the film. She's walking around on crutches for half the film and she gets progressively more, you know, injured, hurt, uh, damaged as the film goes on. Um, but I wanted someone who's got that steel inside them, but is obviously then kind of hamstrung. You know, there's someone who who's kind of missed the boat, really. Um, the sort of their life is not quite where it was supposed to be, where it was expected to be. And I guess they've put a, a lot of hopes, a pinned a lot of hopes on their son, having the life and having the sort of escape from this sort of poor small town life that she never had. And he is throwing those opportunities away. He is getting in trouble and that's frustrating for her. And that's a sort of the sort of thing that's keeping them, you know, at each other's throats, really. Um, but yeah, to, and then to cast someone like Nikki, I obviously felt incredibly lucky. And also Zach, who plays uh, her son Monty in it, Zach Morris. They they did a lot of thinking. They, you know, they literally took me out to lunch one day and just sort of explained, you know, and, and we just we spent a lot of meetings, you know, just going around and about about that relationship, how it would work. And they they took it very seriously, and they're both you know they're both super talented. But they you know someone like Nikki does elevate. You you can write a scene, and she will lift it. She'll find the emotion at the core of it. And she was also you know incredibly, well, she's incredibly she's a great person to work with. There's you know there's none of that sort of you know you hear everyone hears everyone's got a million horror stories about actors. This was not that film. Genuinely, everyone was good as gold. Everyone was super fun. Everyone was super collaborative. But um, also she, you know, it's it's a it's an action movie. Yeah, I think I think she stunt doubled twice in the film, across the entire movie. So you know, every night, uh, and she could have been you know, pretty upset with me every night. It was like start work, roll around on the floor, get covered in dust, splat blood on you, fall over there, throwing broken glass at you, jump there, do this, get beaten up. So you know, we put her through a very very physical shoot. Really, twenty five days it was in total five weeks, uh, five, five day weeks. And yeah, she just, she took it all with aplomb um, and she was great. Oh, we're talking today with Will Gilby, the writer-director of Jericho Ridge. You can catch it as part of Northwest Fear Fest on Wednesday, October 18th at 9.15 p.m. Uh, make sure you get your tickets for the screening at metrocinema.org or northwestfest.ca or show up at the door. We got room for you at the Metro Cinema. Uh, you will definitely be able to check out this film. Will, you just kind of referenced the the idea, the intensity that, you know, Nikki's having to go through playing the character of Tabby. But I mean, even with this film as a whole, the intensity is an incredibly high level throughout all of it for the audience. But, you know, when you're behind the scenes as a director and as as first time director of a feature, because obviously you've done shorts before this. How do you negotiate that idea of, of maintaining that intensity and pulling performances out, but at the same time, you know, managing the set and the thousand other things that, you know, are going on and people having to talk to you and defer to you? How do you kind of like maintain the intensity, but also, you know, keep the set healthy? It was healthy to a limit, but, you know, if you've seen the film, it's 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 25 day shoot. It's 15 of those 18 would be night shoots um, and shooting in Kosovo at that time of year. I mean, I. I sort of Googled what the weather was going to be like. I don't know what I Googled because it was, I, I sort of saw it from zero degrees to 20 degrees. And I thought, this is going to be super chill. Turns out, I don't know what website I was on, but boy, was I wrong. It was minus 16 one. I mean, I, I'm telling Can I'm telling Canadians about the cold. I mean, you guys get it. But to have a film crew out there, it, you know, every night, you know, we, we sort of built our sheriff's office on location. 
So there's no insulation. There's no, I mean, so it's freezing. And then we keep smashing the windows in and stuff like that. So, you know, it was, um, of course, it was very challenging. Uh, and of course, I guess, you know, as a director, part, part, part of the job is to keep everyone else's energy up, um, is to drink a lot of coffee. And, and you can't be the guy who's complaining and you can't be the person who's, oh, my lunch isn't, you, you've got to be, not listening to any of that and just focusing on everyone and making sure they're okay, they're happy, they're safe, they're ready to perform. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, the tension that sort of, a lot of that is obviously baked into the script um, or, you know, my my background, I've done a lot of editing. So, you know, I've got sort of 15 years as an editor behind me. So if you, if you were to read a script that I've written as an editor, there, you know, I'm very into transitions between scenes and I'm very into keeping it lean as possible because I know also that when you give a two page monologue to an actor, what's supposed to be two minutes becomes eight. And then suddenly your film starts floundering and become incredibly long and you have to start cutting stuff out and the film starts making sense and you have to read. So I'd say a lot of uh, the tension is, uh, I, I worked with an editor for the first time in my life on this called Sarah Pezek, who was fantastic. We had a great working relationship. And a lot of that is obviously, you know, due to her involvement as well. And also my composer, Chris Benstead, who was, who's brilliant and, and, and manages to keep that attention and emotion bubbling the whole time. But basically he's, um he's been scoring a few Guy Ritchie movies recently. He did a score for The Gentleman and Wrath of Man. And basically we were temping this to Wrath of Man and The Gentleman. Um, you know, literally the whole, I don't think we used almost, I think we used entirely those two scores to temp the whole film. Uh, and then someone was just like, why don't we call him up and see if he'll do it? I mean, I don't be stupid. Come on, we're a tiny little film. He's doing 20 million, 30 million, 40 million dollar films. You know, he's won an Oscar, back for sound design, doing gravity, sound effects editing, I should say. And he just, you know, a lot of people love the low budget vibe. A lot of people, you know, they love, I guess, going up and down in, in terms of, of sort of what sort of level they'll work at. But I think he felt that the level here, you know, the emotion that was there, the tensions there with the action was going to be there. It didn't feel hopefully like a cheap film. And I'd say that, you know, they're massively responsible for that tension as well, really. Well, let's look at this kind of as as a writer too, right? How do you approach an idea, an idea like Jericho Rich to ensure that that pacing, like, and that connection to that isolated kind of setting and exploiting that as many different ways as possible? How do you kind of negotiate all that to make sure that it hits all the right notes with the audience? Very interesting. I guess, you know, your first draft, it, it, it doesn't. And it isn't going to hit all those notes. And it's, you know, it's a, I, I, I for, probably for the first time, I think more than any other script I've ever wrote, I, I really did write like a quite a detailed treatment on this. And I'd say roughly seven, that's roughly 70 to 80% of the film that it ended up being. So when you're sort of, I find, you know, if you're writing, I, there's a few, a few projects, I'm sure everyone has this, if you don't, and this is, in some terms, it's quite easy because there's only one point of view character in this film, right? Nikki Amuka Bird's character, Tabby Temple, drives every scene. We can never be in a moment that she isn't in or she can't see because that's kind of against the rules. I sort of almost bound my hands behind my back before I started with that concept. But I thought that would make the film uh, more exciting to have it from her perspective. I, th I thought it would be more tense. And I thought, it, you know, just to be there with her the whole time would just, uh, it would just, yeah, end up being quite a tough watch in terms of tension and, and all that sort of thing. But um, I, so I'd say I, I really, you know, like, um, have you seen the film yet, Christian? Uh, yes, but I also don't want to ruin it for people. No, 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 sure. But for instance, I'm being so very coy about it. <laughs> so for instance, the character Earl McCready, who's, uh, you know, he's a kind of a drunken drug addict, uh, uh, meth head mess, played by the superbly talented English actor, Michael Soccer. Like he's not in the first two drafts. He just sort of found his way in. 
Um, and, and, and so you, you know, it's just that sort of process. You write your first draft and you think, you know, it's okay. But then, but then I guess everyone's first draft across the board isn't great, is it? You know, but, and then you start building on it. You start putting it together. You start getting notes from people you trust and who people whose opinions you value. Uh, and that just, that seems to be the way you do it. Um, there's no shortcuts. No, I don't think, unless I've not met anyone, I don't think there's, I don't think you can just write a great script like that. I think it takes a hell of a lot of time. And I think it takes a hell of a lot of effort and love. And you just keep chipping away at it until until you get it where you need it to be. See, that's interesting that you said that because, I, I mean, in going through it, I, I couldn't really see this. You telling me that that character didn't exist before. I'm like, I couldn't see it without it. Do you know what I mean? Of like, course. Yeah, totally, totally. But it's about that I wanted to have that, you know, she's trying to keep people out, but I wanted to have some danger on the inside as well. So that's one of the things you sort of figure out, you know, uh, as you go along. Um, and he obviously doesn't play a very nice guy in the film, but I'm sort of, my my experience re-watching the film is so clouded of what an incredibly lovely, funny and collaborative guy Michael Stocker is. That I'm watching this guy. He's not that bad, is he? He's all right. He's quite nice, really. And obviously everyone else is like, no, this guy is, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's quite the opposite. We talked a little bit about before that you, uh, you've also directed some, some short films. Uh, you've worked uh, as an editor for a long time as well, on top of being a writer as well. This isn't your first effort in those realms. It's only really your first effort as in like a full featured film director. So what was it about Jericho Ridge that made this the right project for you to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to wear all the hats on a feature. So I was, there's another script, uh, which I hope to get made uh, after this that I've been trying to get made for about four or five years. And, you know, as a first time director, it's obviously, you can, you can have all the credentials in the world, but trying to get that money and trying to get people to roll the dice on you and back you financially and trust you that you're going to bring this thing on uh, and, and take it seriously and do it well is it's, it's a huge ask. So I was trying to get another script made for a while. And then I wrote this and then suddenly, almost immediately, there was a couple of people who wanted to finance it. Um, I think I think the sort of people appreciated the fact that it's fairly contained, you know, uh, it's mostly in and around one location. Um, not that I think it feels cheap or boring for that. I think we turn that location into a pressure cooker and we, we make I think that that single location actually elevates the project. But um, I think that was attractive to investment because suddenly you're not doing massive unit moves. You're able to stay in one place. You're able to focus on the acting and the action and the camera work. If you, you know, if you shoot a film on this budget level with 60 natural practical locations uh you know you'll drive there in a minibus you'll all jump out you put the camera on your shoulder and you'll do 80s tv coverage for 20 minutes before you've got to jump back in and do the next location when you can actually sit in one place and you can you take the time to light it properly you can get the you know the all the equipment out that you need to you can actually spend the time shooting it in, in the way that you want and in the way you planned we're speaking today on Moving Radio with Will Gilby, the writer-director behind the film Jericho Ridge. You can see it as part of Northwest Fear Fest on Wednesday, October 18th, and that's at 9.15 p.m. You can get tickets at themetrocinema.org or at northwestfest.ca or at the door that evening as well. Before we kind of got into this, too, I just mentioned the fact that uh, – you know, you did a, an intro at another film festival, and one of the first things that you mentioned within a minute of talking about the film is your cinematographer, Rory O'Brien, on Jericho Ridge. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe the discussions that you had together about how to shoot this kind of location of the police station and, and make the film feel as dynamic as it does? Uh, we, we got Rory very last minute. We were we were looking at several director of photographies directors of photography. Sorry, I put the plural wrong there. Um, and he was quite last minute, but... Um, it was, I feel 
genuinely so lucky we got him. Yeah, uh, he's got an incredible eye. Uh, he's an incredible collaborator. Collaborator. He's absolutely tireless. And uh, you know, I'm not telling a joke. Everyone on the set loved him from top to bottom. He's a great personality. He is another one of those people that just helps like soften this set and make everyone happy. Um, but he's also an incredible cinematographer. And you know, he didn't have a lot. You know, he's he, he's come from a lot of very big budget television, big series in England and all over. On this, suddenly it's like, well, your lighting budget is very very little and he was able to make that work without without you know he was able to make it work uh, better than you know uh, without any complaints without any problems and he was able to make it, make it look great and he, you know he's got a very good eye and i would say his um his handheld operating like when he gets the camera on his shoulder is i mean he must be in the top 10 to 20 people in the world at that he's just got an amazing way of moving with the cast and he he engages with the actors a lot uh, and he so he sort of he feels and he just moves around and he's just brilliant at it and utterly tireless. Genuinely can't say enough good words about him. Me, sort of Nikki and Rory were there like every night. We're like a little sort of pyramid of you know, uh, and we just we just got on really well together and got on with it. And you know, he brought a you know a massive depth of experience. And um, you know, I tell him sort of what I, I mean. We sort of came up with looks for every scene and how 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 they should look and how they should feel prior to filming. And we sort of created documents of. This is our look. This is our color scheme. This is going to be our lighting scheme. And then we sort of got there and things changed. But we and then I had I had storyboarded quite a lot of the film, mostly the action stuff, um, because obviously, you know, when you're shooting an intimate dialogue scene with actors, you want to let them block it without, you know, telling them where to stand, where to sit, how to move, all that sort of thing. But, you know, we, so I'd storyboard a lot of the action, but on the night, we didn't always have the time to do those storyboards. And we found so much. We found so much on the set, I'd say. Um, more than I thought we would have. And that that was a great experience to just work with a great collaborator uh, and be able to do that. Yeah, that was one of the interesting things I thought about the film that you kind of just mentioned earlier too, was just, I think for for someone looking at it from the outside and not really understanding it, you, you think when you're shooting things and it's a, it's a lot of darkness and people are feeling like, you know, the walls are closing in on them. That's actually a, a difficult thing to execute because I, I feel almost like minimal lighting is way harder to shoot and to make be effective than it would be if you were shooting, you know, in like, a well-lit room or a daytime, right? So th that created some challenges itself. I feel like those are those little elements of noir with it being overtly stylistic. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, and, cool. and that's that's kind of how I felt about it. Is that things that you wanted to approach it in that way? No, totally. I'm a massive, uh, you know, massive noir guy, massive thriller guy, massive, you know, just crime films, action films, all that genre basically is, is you know, it's my bread and butter. It's where I live. It's what I watch. It's what I aspire to do a hell of a lot more of. But I guess it was, you know, it's just it's one of those things is every every shot, every moment, things don't always plan out as uh, as you'd hoped when you're shooting. Uh, things change. It was a very international production. Well, I say international. Uh, you know, we shot in Kosovo, OK, which I think we're the first international film to ever shoot in Kosovo. One of our producers, Harvey Ascot, has been going to Kosovo and Pristina, the capital city, for 10, 12 years and working with the people out there. He's taken out high end commercials, music videos. He produced an Oscar-nominated short film out there that came out in 2016, all sorts and done features. But like, for instance, our makeup and makeup was from Croatia. Special effects were from Turkey. They couldn't speak English, so I had to talk through a translator. My stunt people are from Bulgaria. Catering from Macedonia. Grips are from Serbia. Uh, not everyone speaks English. So, you know, a lot of best laid plans don't always happen as you would expect them to. So you've got to be able to improvise, change and adapt on the hoof. And I think, you know, you know, when you've got 
a smaller, simpler lighting package and stuff like that. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to adjust and, and, and diving into the spirit of that as well. Something like Rory did rather than sitting there complaining, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. Where's my 5K? Where's my this? He was able to just make it work. And that was obviously incredibly helpful to a film that was made in this fashion. This is uh, very early in the journey for this film. Uh, I know that you've uh, you've got some distribution and even uh, I was like looking at the trailer. I'm like, whoa, this is on BET as well in the U.S. I'm like, all right, like there's a lot of different places the film is going to end up being seen here at this point. Um, for those of us who are just kind of hearing about it for the first time on air here, where they're listening to this later on on a streaming website, uh, let us know a little bit about where maybe people can connect with the film and find out a little bit more uh, beyond just a simple Google search. Okay, so it's playing on BET Plus. So uh, subscription VOD in America, that's there. There's another American deal being tied in, which is still in the works for all the sort of rest of the sort of ancillary markets, all the different VODs and all that sort of stuff's happening. There's a German deal that's going through. So hopefully it will be out in Germany either late this year or early next. The same with France. And then the rest of everything is sort of ongoing. You know, there's people, uh, there's a sales agent who's selling it around the world. At the moment, uh, BET Plus is your best bet. But um, of course, a lot of other markets is going to be coming out in. Beyond that, there might be an Instagram page. I'm not sure it's the most uh, updated uh, one in the whole world. But, uh, or, or, you know, if you want, if you've got a question, find me on Twitter and ask me, and I will be more than happy to answer it. There we go. Uh, Will, thank you so much for your time. The film that we've been talking about is Jericho Ridge. You can see it as part of Northwest Fear Fest on Wednesday, October 18th at 9.15 p.m. Uh, it's a perfect time for the screening. It kind of like right is at the beginning of the festival. I feel like this is a perfect nine o'clock movie, especially around the season. Sure, it's not a Halloween themed film in any way, but it's a great genre film, a part of this festival uh, that's ongoing for about three quarters of the week um, from Tuesday all the way through to Sunday. Will, I just want to thank you so much for the time, and especially thank you for the film. I think it was a fantastic experience. Uh, it's too bad you couldn't get out to Edmonton, but you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. Edmonton's nice in the fall, but Calgary's pretty sweet, though. You got some mountains out there, didn't you? Yeah, Calgary was lovely. I had a great time in Calgary. I, I wish I could be there. Um, and thank you so much for having me. I wish I could be there, but I think if I go to any more festivals in the next few weeks, I'm going to get divorced. So I've been away quite a lot. I've been having an amazing for time. David for Spain. But um, yeah, so we're doing Sitges next week. That's somewhere else it can be seen. And Heart oh sorry, and Heartland in Indiana, it's playing at um as well. There's a couple of screenings there. So that's worth checking out. That's a great festival too. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. You know, anytime talking about this, I'm pretty happy. I had a great time. Cheers.